from the Mercy One Studio. Welcome to Straight Talk, a lively discussion on tough issues impacting our lives. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Here's your host, Gene Wells, brought to you by Blackbird Investments. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Straight Talk here in Iowa Catholic Radio. It is your weekly dose of news from the diocese and around the world, plus commentary on issues that are impacting our lives. And boy, are there a lot of those these days. So it is time for Straight Talk. You've got questions. We've got some answers for you. I'm Jean Wells, and so, so blessed to be broadcasting from the Mercy One studio, even though I'm remote, as we, so many of us are during this coronavirus. Um, but our good friends, Jimmy Olson and Deacon Tony Valdez, are in studio uh, producing this show for you. Uh, also grateful, grateful to Blackbird Investments for sponsoring Straight Talk, because doing what is challenging is the right thing to do. That's Blackbird Investments. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird believes in giving buildings a new life. For more information, blackbirdinvest.com. Hey, on today's show, uh, you know, we always have... Uh, Tom Chapman in at the end of the legislative session. So this is the end of the legislative session, right? Uh, not quite. Uh, Tom Chapman is the executive director for the Iowa Catholic Conference, and we're going to talk about um, what's been happening or not happening in that in our situation today. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting. Like you know, all things in 2020, the picture isn't so clear. Get it? 2020. Yeah, I'm hilarious. Um, on March 16th, uh, this legislative session was originally suspended for 30 days, which was then extended to April 30th, and now it's been extended to May 15th. So when they do return, along with the myriad of, of clerks and assistants and staff and lobbyists and visitors, uh, mitigation procedures will be in place to assess the health of those working at the Capitol along with implementing the social distancing guidelines and all of the other things that we've become used to. Uh, but the work of the government, especially in times of crisis, must go on. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have all had an opportunity to reassess our priorities, and perhaps those priorities will become more evident when the legislative session is reconvened. Hopefully, our elected officials will not spend their time arguing about pet projects, but instead focus on issues addressing the common good. Some of the important topics that we are going to be talking about today is uh, the economic impact of the stimulus packages on the long-term fiscal health of our state. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the impact of the stimulus package, or lack thereof, on our immigrant population. And we're also going to talk about those items that are unrelated uh, to, um, to the COVID process. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and also um, the, the announcement from the four bishops on the continuing ban on masses in our parishes and, and what the process is for, for re-engaging 
our, our parish communities. Uh, so we have a busy, busy show for you today. Uh, when we come back from this break, we will vis be visiting with Tom Chapman, Executive Director of the Iowa Catholic Conference. It's time for Straight Talk, right now on Iowa Catholic Radio. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at blessmentinternational.org. That's blessmentinternational.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at bigredq des moines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print, we make printing easy. Join us on Thursday, June 4th for our annual gala benefiting InterVisions Healthcare. This year, Rebecca Hagen will share her emotional story of beginning a chemical abortion, but then minutes later changing her mind and how she was determined to reverse her mistake in an attempt to save her unborn baby. As a medical nonprofit, all proceeds from the dinner support our life-affirming services. We promise it'll be an evening that you'll long remember. For more information, visit IVHcare.org and thanks for supporting the women and babies of InterVisions Healthcare. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Welcome back to Straight Talk here at Iowa Catholic Radio. And my guest today is Tom Chapman. He is the Executive Director for the Iowa Catholic Conference. And, and Tom, it, uh, it's always a delight. You're always a great guest. So thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here, Jean. Good to talk with you. Yeah. Yeah, all these, all these efforts these last couple of months have, have focused... Uh, on the issues relating to the coronavirus. But before we 
you know, speak about those issues. Have there been any other efforts going on through the legislative channels when the representatives and senators are working remotely? I would say, yes, there are some efforts uh, going on. It's one of those things where I think we all need to be uh, sensitive to the representative's personal situations in the sense that they're trying to kind of keep their businesses going and, and keep their families healthy and safe. So I think there's a line that you don't want to cross in terms of bothering them too much. At the same time, there have been some efforts by different groups, um, you know, to contact legislators and just kind of keep them informed about what's going on. Mm -hmm. I've done some of that, you know, on, on education issues, and we've been meeting regularly on the voting issue that has to do with uh, people who are coming out of prison and having the right to vote. Uh, those sorts of things have been going on. But uh, it's an interesting time because you want to be sensitive to what they're going on with their family. But we do know we're going to be moving back to, uh, you know, legislative action at some point. Well, and normally they would be done by now. So it, whatever um, efforts they would have made for their, their businesses uh, to maintain work during the normal legislative process, that would, that's done. I mean, they're usually back home and, and whatever temporary staff they may have needed would have been um, stopped, whether they were in farming or whatever. Um, you know, so it, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, yes, they have given up so much of their personal lives already, but let's talk about some, well, before we talk about some of those issues, um, yeah, well, now let's just jump, jump into it. this right to vote thing with um, those sure. who have completed their, their sentencing. Um, where does that stand? Well, that's one of those issues. Iowa right now is the only state where, through the law, people cannot, if they've committed a felony and served their prison time, they do not automatically receive the right to vote when they uh, complete their sentence. And so that's an issue we've been working on. And it, it really, to do it the right way, requires a change in the Constitution. And so that constitutional amendment passed the Iowa House last year. And so mm -hmm. since then, we've been working to get it through the Iowa Senate. And so right now, it's uh, still sitting in the Senate. It's available for action. We have had some discussions about that. One of the great concerns of senators has been to make sure, of course, that the needs of victims are met, and that's very important as well. And actually, the Catholic Church, you know, we have victim assistance programs as well as we have support for having people have the right to vote when they come out of prison. So uh, we're, we've been talking to senators about that, and I anticipate that that could be one of those few things that gets addressed, uh, you know, when, I'll say, when the legislature comes back into session. So it's interesting. They're not doing any Zoom voting. <laughs> not yet, you know. I mean, there's a lot of ideas about how people should vote, whether by Internet or by mail. I think there's certainly... Um, more push to have vote by mail in this current situation. Uh, that, oh, I was talking about the legislators know. themselves. Oh, yeah. Well, no, there is. Convening, I mean, convening via, yeah. via Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. No, we don't know what that's going to look like for sure. I mean, the date right now is May 15th. And, right. you know, they may gavel in, have a couple people there gavel in. Um, I don't think they're going to do substantive work on the floor, whatever the floor looks like. 
um, until June. That seems to be what I'm hearing in that they want to have a better idea of what the state revenues are looking like. And with the economy, you know, not going well, obviously that has an effect on state revenues, you know, Mm -hmm. in the tax system. And so I think they'd like to get a little better idea about what that looks like before they come in and actually pass a budget. As you might recall in March, before they went on pause, they did pass uh, a budget that gave the governor some emergency money and also covered the first two years of the fiscal year. So they really don't have to do anything for July and August yet, um, but at some point they'll want to come, ba- come back and approve the rest of the budget for fiscal year 2021. And I think a lot of the discussions will be um, when they come back, they're, as I understand it and that what I'm hearing is they will basically pass a budget you know, for the state and do one or two things that are kind of lined up um, to pass, uh, possibly pass, and then they'll call it, you know, uh, they'll call it, they'll call the session maybe after a week or so. Well, let, okay, let's look at, uh, there's a couple other things. As I was preparing for the show today, there were just things that, that kept popping up. And, and one of the ugly issues is this assisted suicide. Is there, is there some movement, things that are going underneath the radar right now that we need to be attentive to? Well, I think in terms of legislation and legalizing the practice, that legislation is dead um, for this year. Um, okay, it will, good. Yeah, it is dead for the year. It will come back, you know, um, and there are definitely, it's not a totally partisan issue. And so you've got people on both sides of the aisle who are open to looking at it as well as open to, you know, definitely wanting to kill the idea. Um, so that's something that will be an ongoing um discussion point. And I think, of course, anytime you talk about the healthcare system, you definitely, you know, some people start to think about assisted suicide. And so uh, we know that suicide is a big and growing issue in society. It is with this, you know, pandemic that we're suffering as well. And we definitely want to keep the government out from approving any sort of suicide. And so that will continue to be a priority for sure. The other thing, education, that's a a big topic always in Iowa. Um, And with my my professional work at the Catholic Tuition Organization, we always are looking at at, um, what the legislators may be doing with tax credits. Is there any conversation going on today with with, um, work related to non-public schools? Uh, Definitely. There's a couple things going on that people should be aware of. One is there's a new uh, stream of federal money that's coming into the state to help all schools, public and non-public, deal with the pandemic. And there's some great guidance that came out actually late last week from the federal government that makes it clear that non-public schools can access those funds on an equitable basis, basically by enrollment. So that's a very good thing that happened. And we appreciate Senator mm-hmm. Grassley working to make sure that that was in the bill and the president's uh, administration for helping make sure the rulemaking is going in the right direction and the guidance. And so I anticipate, you know, it's not like it's game-changing money, but it is a funding stream that will be helpful for all schools, public and private, and that is happening. At the same time, there are also some discussions going on with legislators that, you know, obviously public schools and private schools are having a tough time in the sense that, 
you know, they're trying to do things remotely. The Catholic schools did a fantastic job, you know, making their plans for education right away as this took place, and they retooled immediately into providing education. Um, that wasn't the case in public schools. They have a different set of challenges, although they're kind of up and running now. And so the question is, what is it going to look like in the fall? Because there's, you know, obviously with the private schools, you've got people having to pay tuition. And in the Catholic University, you've got uh, schools that are uh, being supported in great measure by the parishes, which aren't meeting. So there's a lot of challenges, and we're letting legislators know and the governor know about those challenges. And really what we'd like to see, whether from the state or a federal level, and it's no secret we've been working on things like this for a long time, um, we'd like to see some micro-grants available to all parents that would help them with education costs in this time. So that's an ongoing conversation. It's going to be a difficult conversation related to private schools, as it always is, because, you know, they're going to be coming back into session. They're going to be cutting budgets, and then you've got to ask for new funding. But one of the uh-huh. things that we're asking legislators to look at is if you have a situation where there's even 10% of private school students that would go into the public system, that's going to cost the state a lot more money. And it makes sense for the state to provide some assistance to non-public school students to help them stay in the non-public schools. Mm-hmm. Well, and if that's in the form of an increase in tax credits for the school tuition organizations like CTO, that may be great, but the donors are still having their own personal challenges and may not be able to, to, you know, increase and take up all those tax credits. So it's, it's a, it's a balancing act. Exactly. I I think we need to do both. I mean, I think tax credits would be an obvious discussion that we can increase and times are going to get better. You know, we're going to get through this and it's going to be painful. And, you know, unfortunately we're going to lose people along the way. You know, and it's a terrible thing, but our society is going to get through this and we have to make preparations for the time when we're going to head back to what will ever, uh, what the new normal will be. Well, and as long as we're talking about financial need, it is Giving Tuesday, folks, and it's normally we're used to that at uh, the day after or the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. But this is a, a special opportunity for us to, to look and say, you know, what are the nonprofits like Iowa Catholic Radio that have relied on your support, your prayers and support? And so uh, if you have it within your budget to provide some uh, support for Iowa Catholic Radio, please go online to iowacatholicradio.com. That would be very much appreciated. Um, let's, let's, look, uh, let's look forward. <laughs> to November, if we could. Um, There is an election coming up. And I have to say, you know, there's always a silver lining in everything. I think the silver lining is that we've had a reprieve from all of the negative campaigning that normally would occur. Um, But it's interesting. I thought uh, the campaign that the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops kicked off called Civilize It just look what a great impact they've had. (laughs) (laughs) Success. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Um, Tell us about that (laughs) that time. We were all so fed up with all the negative campaigning from all sides. Um, Do you think think this long-term silver lining will be that 
the tone of the conversation after things get back to some sort sort of normal will be more positive or do you think it'll be worse? What's oh, your crystal you know, ball? I, I have no idea. You know, I'm hopeful that it will be better in the sense that we've had a reset on a lot of things. I think we're in the middle of a reset and normally things go back to normal. You know, mm-hmm. they do go back to the way they are, which would tell you there'd be negativity in campaigns. I think there always will be. But I think this has opened up a discussion for the bishops, um, which is an important discussion for them to try to get across to people is that, you know, we can be civil at the same time that we're clear about what we're about and that mm-hmm. we have to have compassion for everyone. You know, our, the, the whole goal of government is to protect the common good. And we're seeing that now. This is their job. That's the only reason we have a government is to protect the government, you know, the common good. And I think in in large respects, they have worked together to do that. And I think that does show a little bit that our system still can, you know, as difficult as it is uh, to put things together, still can function and help people. And so I think that's that's a good moment because, you know, let's be honest, you've got some politicians who really don't like government and aren't that interested in making it function well. But I think in some respects, they've... um, kind of gone along with the process. So I think civilize it, you know, talking about civility with each other, we can do that. We can be clear about what we're about. It doesn't mean that we don't give our true opinion. It means we're clear about what we're about and that we all try to work together and be compassionate towards people who need help. And so I'm hopeful that the tone of the conversation will change a little bit as we move towards November. Um, It'll have its ugliness as it always does. But I think people have seen that some things are more important than, you know, winning the day necessarily in a media messaging battle. So, so far, you know, I wouldn't say so good, but I think there's been some progress made on that level. And it certainly is going to be something we're going to keep, you know, pushing. Well, and as we now look forward to this November event and actually the the big things that lead up to it, the um the local elections, which so oftentimes those volunteers are in a vulnerable population. Uh, yep. You know, you're all going into a little, you know, four by four foot cubicle to vote, which, you know, are those going to have to be sanitized after every vote? Um, and then the conventions, which are just wall to wall people, you know. Yeah. You know, there are people that are posting on social media that you can't take away our right of election and that it has to be um, a public election. It can't be required absentee ballot. Yet, personally, I'm signing up for absentee ballot. I mean, (laughs) what is all of that going to look like? Well, you know, with the conventions, to be honest, the way things are going this year, just as a practical question, it's hard to see how they will have the conventions as they have had them in the past. Um, yeah. You know, most, most of the events, certainly the events I've been a part of and, and looking forward to for this summer are all getting canceled, the in-person events. So it's hard to see the conventions will come off as they plan. Now, you never know. You know, they might do that and try to implement the social distancing. But if you remember what conventions look like, uh, it's the opposite of social distancing. So. <laughs> So that, How many people can gonna, you hug in, you know, in yeah, two seconds? I'm, I'm really which would be a how they might pull that off, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of absentee ballots, yes, uh, there's no doubt that they, they'll be 
more people wanting to do that. You know, it does have its ups and downs, but the key is you want people to definitely have a chance to vote, to do it safely, and so that implies mail. But it also implies, which I think is good, having a paper trail. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that I think is really important. And this is Tom Chapman talking more than anyone else. I think it's important to have a paper trail when you're, when you're having a vote, you know. And so I think, uh, you know, voting by mail could accomplish that. And I think we're going to see more of it. And you mm-hmm. saw that that's happening with the primary elections for those people who are Democrats and Republicans. Um, the voting period has been lengthened. And it's, uh, you can go online and get your form to get your absentee ballot. And it's probably not a bad idea if you're a member of a party to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Though then you hear, um, where was it that they recently had an election and they found boxes of votes afterwards? <laughs> yeah, you know, and well, it's like, I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, it just, that kind of rhetoric just uh, destroys confidence well, in those processes. That's why election officials always pray for blowouts, you know, because yeah. boxes do get, I mean, that's happened in Iowa. I mean, boxes just showed up, you know, mm-hmm. um, they were gone. If somebody left them at the, at the bar where they went to the bar after the election and they forgot them in the bar, and you know, those things happen because we're dealing with human beings and right. you want them to happen as little as possible. But um, you're going to have problems when you do things. Um, even by mail, there are issues, you know, people picking them up and things like that. You want to make sure there's a good pathway to when the ballot's out and when it returns. But I think we can get through that, you know, and still have fair elections. But it does make people nervous. And, you know, obviously, probably the fairest election is if you could get everybody to go to the voting booth and, and do it that way. But that's not the way it's ever worked always. And it's going to be even less so today, I think. Yeah. Hey, folks, we're going to take our break here at the bottom of the hour, a couple minutes early. But when we come back, we're going to talk about some of these COVID-related issues, specifically the impact on both the state and the nation. We're going to talk about the, the benefits available to our religious entities and the challenges that our immigrant population are facing here during this time of this pandemic. My guest today is Tom Chapman, uh, Executive Director for the Iowa Catholic Conference. Remember, it is Giving Tuesday. Go to iowacatholicradio.com. You're listening to Straight Talk on Iowa Catholic Radio. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Doing what is challenging because it's right. That's Blackbird Investments. In 2013, Blackbird Investments was born from the inspiration of St. Kevin. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird Investments believes in giving buildings a new life. BlackbirdInvest.com Blackbird Investments. Doing what is challenging because it's right. 
great. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu slash kwky. Since 1924, St. Vincent de Paul has been helping those less fortunate work towards self-sufficiency. Last year, St. Vincent de Paul helped over 20,000 individuals with food, clothing, and shelter, while also offering classes in financial literacy, high school completion, career readiness, and prisoner re-entry. SVDPDSM.org, 515-282-8327. Shop, donate, volunteer, serve. This message was brought to you by Homemakers Furniture. Thank you to Confluence Brewing Company for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Confluence Brewing Company, brewed locally and featuring regular, seasonal, and limited-release beers available in their tap room and at local stores, bars, and restaurants. Confluence has a beer garden for you, your family, and friends to enjoy. Confluence Brewing Company is located at 1235 Thomas Beck Road off the bike trail south of Grays Lake and online at confluencebrewing.com. Confluence Brewing Company, where good things come together, ingredients, ideas, and friends. Thank you to Mercy One for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. From the cardiovascular experts of the Iowa Heart Center to the pediatric services of Mercy Children's Hospital and Clinics, Mercy provides complete care for Central Iowa's adults and children with more than 50 primary care and specialty clinics in the Des Moines area. Find a convenient Mercy One location near you online at mercydesmoines.org. Need an experienced attorney for legal matters? I know a guy. Stephen C. Reed, attorney at law, is a proud supporter of Iowa Catholic Radio. Steve is a longtime resident of Iowa and is licensed to practice in all Iowa state and federal courts. He has years of experience in real estate law, wills, conservatorships, trusts, and estate planning. Steve's law office phone number is 515-224-1776. That's 515-224-1776. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. We're expecting showers for the afternoon and our temperature in the mid-50s. Wind will be a little bit gusty. Showers tonight should be tapering off after midnight and down to about 40. And then tomorrow, back to sunshine, 63. The weather is brought to you by Rock Valley Physical Therapy. Outstanding outpatient physical therapy and sports medicine rehabilitation with seven convenient locations in the Des Moines metro and southwest Iowa area. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio.
um, especially during times of, of natural disasters. But, but how does the state look right now in light of the reduced revenues from reduced income taxes and gasoline tax and the increase in unemployment claims? Um, what are we looking at for this economic forecast for the state? Well, I, you know, it's the truth is I don't think anybody could tell you exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's not good in the near term because the economic activity really just really went in the tank, you know, for several weeks. And I think it's gradually going to be restarting again. And I don't, I think the question that everybody's looking at is how quickly are people going to be, even if they um, are able to be out and about in some way and interfacing with uh, their favorite businesses, things like that, restaurants, how much are they actually going to do it, you know, and how reluctant are they going to be? And so I know the state, I think, is going to be very, um, you know, cautious about revenue estimates, I'm sure, for the next fiscal year because we just don't know what's going to happen and you don't want to get into a deficit situation because really as a state, you know, they're required to pass a balanced budget and mm -hmm. they do have some funding sources, but it's even like up to now and, and certainly the Catholic school teachers or, you know, hourly employees have benefited, benefited from the unemployment insurance program which the state is covering the cost of that right now, but probably this week or next, they're going to reach a trigger point where they're going to start charging employers, you know, for the unemployment insurance. And so that's going to have some impact as well. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, the, what's going to be the net effect of all these government interventions in the economy to keep it going until we can start meeting again? And I think that's, that's the forecast that nobody really has, but I think they're doing the best they can with what they got. Yeah, I mean, as a country, we can't just keep printing money. You wouldn't think so, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think At least so, when I, I took government to. and economics <laughs> and all of those kinds of that coursework, it's like that's not a good plan. Well, traditionally, you would think that inflation would come, I think, but that hasn't happened yet. So, mm -hmm. no, I'm not an economist. Um I know there's a lot of concern that we don't want to just keep spending money that we don't have. Um, at the same time, you know, you've got to do something to keep people just kind of going for now, you know. And so that's why I think this time of what our economy is going to look like when things do reopen somewhat, you know, how quickly will it come back? How uh, cautious are people going to be? Um, it's something that bears watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the short-term and long-term uh, normal, I mean, they keep saying there is no new normal. Yeah, what is I mean, there is no normal. It's a, a new normal. It'll have to be. Um, I think we saw that uh, with 9-11 in the sense that a lot of the things that happened after 9-11 that were new never went away. And so you look at the security procedures and the great intervention of Homeland Security into the life of our country, those sorts of things, that never went away. So with this, what's, what's not going to go away? I don't know. I mean, we just don't know if or how and when are we going to be required to wear masks, how much can we come together in groups um, in the near term and in the long term. I think some changes will stay. Other changes will go away. 
and we'll find a way to get through this, but what the so-called new normal will be is really hard to tell, and everybody knows that. You know, Tom, I, I was um, thinking about this the other night, unrelated to our conversation today, but, but you know, we keep hearing the term relativism, and I'm like, <laughs> we are in the midst of a relativism case study, because there are people that are like, hmm? Nope, I'm not going to be impacted by this coronavirus. I'm just going to keep going without a mask, breathing on everybody, hugging everybody, gathering with everyone. I'm going to be fine. And then yeah. there's those yep. of us that are like, where's my mask? Where's my sanitizer? I'm going to carry it with me. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's a very simple example. But, you know, relativism, you know, it's, it's relative to you, but it's not for me. So we're all good. Well, it's, it's affecting different age groups differently, too, both in terms of how it affects them in their health if they catch it, but also, I think, in their attitude toward it, you know. Um, and you've got, of course, young people. That's a whole other thing. You know, school children, what this is like for them and trying to keep them, you know, uh, focused on schoolwork, not seeing a lot of their friends. You've got teenagers with cars. You've got... You know, young people who just want to be together in some way. And so I think it's, uh, we're going to have to live our way through this. I don't know any other way to say it. Um, I have been really pleasantly surprised by the stimulus package and how it has kept folks employed through the PPP, the Payroll Protection Plan, and that religious entities were um, eligible for those funds, including many of our our dioceses and our schools and parishes and Catholic entities, I, I heard a number 10 to $12 million that, that we'll be receiving. Now we have to, to justify that. We have to report that we've used that money to keep people employed. But um, I just think of the devastation that would have happened to our Catholic entities if that had not been available. Yeah. I mean, and you think about the number you heard, that's just for the diocese of Des Moines. You know, right. you look at statewide, and uh, you can kind of extrapolate some of those numbers from there. But, yeah, certainly most of the Catholic institutions, I think, did apply for that uh, payroll loan. And that's eight weeks. And so I think, obviously, the idea is, is that keeps people going for eight weeks until you can start to meet again or mm -hmm. and restart your fundraising. So I think that's going to be the challenge is how is fundraising going to go? Um, I'm amazed at how some of the churches are doing in terms of their outreach to people online. And mm -hmm. it's uh, they're really doing a great job continuing with their faith formation, continuing with education, Catholic schools. Um, it's really amazing, and it probably tells you there's some of that stuff we should have been doing already, you know. But exactly. um, I, think, uh, I think we're learning a lot, and so I think we'll come back um, in some respects, I think we could come back stronger with some of our faith efforts, you know, and, and interfacing with people. And so between the payroll protection plans and some of the FEMA funds, which, you know, disaster-related, which I know some parishes and schools are applying for, that's been very helpful. And we were very fortunate that um, religious entities were treated like everybody else in the program, basically, in terms of being able to participate in that. That was not necessarily going to be the case. And one of the things that, you know, I think people need to realize, um, you know, Senator Grassley and his people were very involved on the Republican side in the Senate writing the bill. 
and I know that the Bishops Conference in Washington was had asked for our help, and and they were in regular contact with, you know, the senators' people, and the way it came out, the way it did in terms of our availability with that, and also equitable services for non-public schools. I'm really appreciative of the week of the work that they did because it didn't have to end up that way, but it did. So mm-hmm. um, we have had that access. What the future will look like. Um, I know there's discussions in D.C. about, well, what are the next steps going to be? And, you know, obviously the Bishop's Conference is very much involved in working for those things. One of the things that's not surprising um, at all because, you know, undocumented people really can't access a lot of these programs. And so what we're hoping to do at least is to make sure that testing and treatment for COVID-19 should be available to everyone regardless of their immigration status, because that's a public safety issue. And if Yeah, that, want, that seems crazy you know, that it wouldn't that's good be for all included. Of us. Right, right. It's good for all of us. And make sure that that's clear, you know, in whatever um, stimulus package that is done in the future. And, and really trying to help people that, you know, we if people are have to work kind of off the books, and there's, they're going to do that even if they're sick. You know, people are going to do that if they have to support their family. And so we're going to try to find ways that we can make it as, as um, you know, reasonable as possible for people if they're sick to stay home and, and still be able to provide for their families. So what are some of the things that, that um, our senators and representatives are being asked to consider to help that population? I mean, they are a critical part of our economy. Well, I think specifically it's that testing and treatment that's available to everyone at no cost. I think specifically that's one thing that we're asking for. Um, another thing that we're asking for is to extend uh, work authorization and visa renewal for refugees and immigrants who are, you know, working hard in this country. And so we're asking for that. You know, one of the things that's coming up very soon, and it's, bad timing, but that's life, is the Supreme Court is going to decide whether the administration can get rid of the DACA program. And most people are, most observers, and I'm with them, um, are thinking that the Supreme Court could very well say, yeah, it's totally within the president's purview because it was created by executive order and it could be eliminated by executive order. So then you've got those dreamers, you know, kids who are born in this country but don't have status. Um, what are we going to do? And so are we going to then ask, well, we're asking Congress to basically pace, uh, pass some version of the DREAM Act to regularize that situation. But those are some big challenges coming up. Right. And that seems like it it, it should just be pa- I mean, passed. The DACA right. kids, they, they were here. They came of not of their own accord. They came with their parents. It's like, can't we fix this issue? This does not seem like a bad thing to do. Yeah, you would think so, Gene. And it's got support on both sides of the aisle. But yeah. I have found, as you have found, that in politics and working with Congress and legislatures, um, nothing is obvious. You know, mm-hmm. things that seem totally obvious to me are not at all obvious to many other people. So that's something we're going to have to keep working on. And I I think the hope, which I think is a reasonable hope, is that a Supreme Court decision that allows 
for the pre- president to get rid of the program. If the president goes through with it, then that would put pressure on Congress to do something. And I think that's a reasonable thought. Yeah. We need to take our last break of the show. And when we come back, we're going to talk about um, a letter that Bishop Johnson recently signed um, asking the state to address workplace conditions because of the pandemic. Um, And also uh, what Tom may know about uh, the bishop's announcements on masses and, and continuing the suspension of those and when and if we're going to get those reinstated in the near future. So we're going to have all of that conversation and more here right now on Straight Talk right after this break. We'll be right back. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Be Not Afraid is provided by Dream Dirt. Dream Dirt Farm Real Estate and Auction is a licensed and experienced farm brokerage and auction company. Dream Dirt auctioneers are PRI and CAI certified professional farm marketers and have trained to understand the strategy behind a successful auction or sale. We work to reduce stress and risk for our customers and do not charge advertising fees. Learn more at DreamDirt.com. Dream Dirt Farm and Equipment Auction Services. Farm auctions done right. 515-257-7199. Programming support for Catholic Women Now is provided by Iowa's injury attorney, Fred Haas. For over 30 years, Fred Haas has helped injured Iowans recover financial, physical, and emotional losses from car, truck, and motorcycle accidents, work-related injuries, and injuries due to negligence. Most importantly, providing the professional, personal, and responsive legal counsel that everyone deserves. Fred, double D, Haas, double A, the Des Moines Law Offices of Fred Haas. While we have time... Let us do good. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and John Leonetti in the morning is provided by Five Sons Naturescapes. Five Sons Naturescapes is a Catholic veteran-owned family company providing premium outdoor landscaping. Clean up and restore outdoor living space with retaining walls, privacy fencing, pergolas, paver sidewalks, and patios. Issues with soil settling and water around the foundation and yard? Five Sons Naturescapes can grade and install drainage tile to help. Five Sons Naturescapes online at fivesonsnaturescapes.com. Thank you to Mercy College of Health Sciences, downtown Des Moines, for underwriting our show, The Uncommon Good, with me, Bo Bonner. And I'm Bud Marr. A degree from Mercy College provides endless possibilities. Students have access to patients with complex medical conditions, state-of-the-art medical facilities, highly motivated healthcare professionals, and classroom professors that transform them into servant leaders. You can start the programs in fall, spring, or summer. There are endless possibilities available online at mchs.edu slash kwky. Join us on Thursday, June 4th for our annual gala benefiting Intervisions Healthcare. This year, Rebecca Hagen will share her emotional story of beginning a chemical abortion, but then minutes later changing her mind and how she was determined to reverse her mistake in an attempt to save her unborn baby. As a medical nonprofit, all proceeds from the dinner support our life-affirming services. We promise it'll be an evening that you'll long remember. For more information, visit IVHcare.org and thanks for supporting the women and babies of Intervisions Healthcare. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Welcome back to 
Great Talk tonight with Catholic Radio. This is Dean Wells, and my guest today is Tom Chapman. He is the Executive Director for the Iowa Catholic Conference. And uh, yes, it is Tuesday, and it's a special Giving Tuesday that is a result of of all of this pandemic and the, and the desire um, really to keep all of those nonprofits that are doing the good work that we have come to know and love, including here at Iowa Catholic Radio. So if it is within your wherewithal, please go to iowacatholicradio.com and provide some support for us during this challenging time. Tom, you had sent me uh, yesterday a, a letter that Bishop Johnson signed on to, along with, what, 20, 30 other entities, um, mm-hmm. asking the state to address the workplace conditions uh, for those essential businesses, uh, I'm thinking particularly the meatpacking facilities that have been uh, hit hard by this outbreak of coronavirus. Um, share with our listeners really what what that entails. Well, actually, that was a letter that was put together by the American Friends Service Committee uh, program, the Quakers. Um, and we've worked with them for a long time on uh, immigration-related issues in their immigration program. And really, I think one of the concerns that is out there, and it, you can clearly see it in the numbers, is that uh, that disease, COVID-19, is spreading very quickly among workers at meatpacking plants. You know, that's a fact. And so the question mm-hmm. is, we know, you know, it's obviously we want companies to do the best job they can to protect their workers. You know, I think this is asking the state to make sure that that's happening. I mean, when, that's the bottom line, is we're asking the governor and the state to make sure that workers are being protected to the greatest extent that they can. Because, as you know, the president said that meatpacking plants are essential and they have to stay open. So if they have mm-hmm. to stay open, what does that imply? Well, you've got to have workers. And so what is the safety of workers? And are people going to feel pressure to come to work, even if they're not well? So we... We need to have our food chain uh, functioning. And I think we all agree that we don't want to see a situation where, uh, you know, cattle or hogs have to get euthanized. But these are people who are working in the plants, and their needs and uh, their families uh, have to come first, you know. And so that's what we're asking the, from the state government is to make sure that, the, uh, that there are safe working conditions and making sure that the CDC and OSHA guidelines are taking place in the plants. Well, and when we couple that with our conversation of just a few minutes ago around um, those of the immigrant population, they oftentimes do work in those facilities. And if they feel the pressure to come to work because they may lose their job, you know, and but there are no requirements for um, safety that that just exacerbates a, an already difficult problem. Yeah, and I'm sure that they're you know the the company wants to keep them safe too to that you know to a to that extent. There's got I'm sure there are some things in place, but you don't want workers to be afraid of retaliation if they don't show mm-hmm. up in this situation. Mm-hmm. So. We've got to all work together to make sure the food chain is going, but we got to make sure the people who are in the food chain are protected. And that's yeah. really what the bishop and uh, the other bishops who signed the letter and the other folks who signed this letter are trying to say is that going back to that idea that the, govern- the government role is to protect the common good. 
And they have a role to play with all companies, including meatpacking plants, to make sure that these things take place. And we're mm-hmm. asking them to make sure that that's happening. Well, and I have to say that the bishops are doing their part in making sure that our churches are safe and um, extending yeah. the, the suspension of masses. Um, you know, there were it was interesting. The response were, um, I think, was probably as varied as what the bishops initially wanted to respond to. They wanted to get us back open. But... Sure. Uh, They've said, no, let's do this consistently across the board so we don't have people traveling from one diocese to another or from one community to another to um, and potentially spreading the virus. So, um, you know, God bless the, yeah. the bishops for making that tough call. Well, I think it's probably the hardest call they've ever had to make, I'm mm-hmm. guessing. And I've worked with bishops for 30 years. Um, their life is the church. They give their lives for the church, and that implies the Eucharist, and that implies the liturgy. And anybody that thinks they would make a decision like that without really a feeling they had to, is it's silly. Um, mm-hmm. It's very painful for them to have to do that. They're super frustrated with the situation, as we all are. And, and I think they said so. If you, I mean, I, I would really advise people to actually read every word of the letter that the bishops sent out. Um, oh, now, Tom, you're just being heart. crazy. Well, I know. I'm, I'm the same way with bills. I have to read the bills. I don't want to read them. You know, who wants to read them? You have to read this letter. Um, and yeah. I think that I think what they're talking about, if the, the thing they pulled out from Paul's letter to the Romans, I think really says it. You know, we rejoice in hope, endure in affliction, persevere mm-hmm. in prayer. That's what we've got to do. We will get we will get back to meeting together again. That's going to happen. We don't know exactly when or exactly what rules will be in place when we do it, but it's going to happen. And so for now, we have to persevere in prayer together. And there and I totally get it. I mean, um, you know, the suspension of Sunday mass is the biggest deal I think any of us who are interested in what the church is about, it's the biggest deal in our lifetimes, I would say, and Mm -hmm. uh, painful times, and it'll be painful to look back on it, but at this point, it's really for the safety of the people involved, and you look at the high-risk categories, it's, you know, you're talking, a lot of priests fall into that group, a lot of parishioners who show up for daily mass would fall into that group, and it's, uh, I think it's, you know, my feeling is they're doing the best they can with it, and it will not be that way forever. Um, but for now, we're just going to have to move on best we can as a community. So you don't have any uh, scoop for us, huh? No, 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 no scoop. You know, my role always is just to facilitate the bishops talking and <laughs> and that sort of thing. And if I had a scoop, I might tell you, but I don't have a scoop, so we don't have to worry about it. Oh, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, this is a time for us to pray. This is a time for us to say, Lord, help me to to understand what you're calling me to do and and open my heart to be forgiving and and loving to our priests and and to our community and and to really be Christ during this time. I mean, that's what really being called. but Tom, I want to thank you. This has been such a delight. We've covered so many topics today. It's kind of hard to fathom. 
um, <laughs> what we've got yep. through, but uh, hopefully when, when the session reconvenes and we get past it, I'll have you back on and you can actually give the official end of session recap to all of our Yeah, listeners. won't that be good? I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah, that would be fabulous. Yeah, we'll do it. Well, I want to thank Tom Chapman, as always, a delightful guest. Thanks to my producer, Jimmy Olson. And today, as we as we think, we just um, reconsecrated um, Canada and the United States to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So let's ask the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of the Church, patroness of the United States of America, to intercede for us and to pray for the eradication of the coronavirus, for the healing of those afflicted, and for the, for the repose of the souls of those who have died from the virus. Most Blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. Iowa Catholic Radio and Straight Talk is on the air because of your prayers and generosity. Remember, it is Giving Tuesday. Uh, please consider a tax-deductible gift to Iowa Catholic Radio at iowacatholicradio.com. Straight Talk is every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and rebroadcast at 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio. Stay tuned now for Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. God bless. Straight Talk every Tuesday at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio with Gene Wells. Brought to you by Blackbird Investments.